Well, we are going to be in Philippians chapter number four this morning, and uh, I do just want to express my uh, thanks, uh, Jamie and I, for uh, those that came out and helped, and I know many of you have been praying, and we are just so grateful uh, for your prayers and uh, just help and all those uh, things to help our house um, get sold. Um, we uh, were out there working. Um, Don and Teresa stayed uh, a couple extra days to finish up the gabled ends. And um, there was actually our next door neighbor was telling us about another pastor that's moving into Urbana. And he's looking for a house. And so she told him about our house that was selling. So who knows? We'll just see how all those things work out. But We'll just keep praying and uh, see what the Lord does in all of that. So Philippians chapter number four, uh, we are on the closing end of this uh, letter um, that Paul is writing from prison. And, uh, you know, moving forward in our Christian life is so important because I think that we should always be advancing for the cause of Christ. Um, our Christian life is never a time where we should ever be idle. Um, although there are times that we should take time for reflection and meditate and are quiet and listening to the Lord, but we should always be moving forward in our relationship with Christ. And uh, I think it's important for us to understand that the provision that Christ has given us, um, that we are to stand fast in that and we are to be moving forward in his love and his mercy and his grace and sharing that with other people. And, you know, one of the reoccurring themes that you find throughout the book of Philippians is the word joy. And I think it's interesting how moving forward is always connected with that joyous occasion. For example, um, in uh, Philippians 1, 4 through 5, Paul prays for the Philippian believers with joy because of their partnership with him in the gospel, moving forward with the gospel. In Philippians 1.18, he rejoices that Christ is proclaimed, even when Christ is proclaimed with impure motives. In Philippians 1.18 uh, through 19, he rejoices that his current hardship as being in prison will turn out for his deliverance through the prayers of the believers and the help of the Spirit moving forward. In Philippians 1.25, Paul is convinced that the continuation of his ministry to the Philippians will contribute to their progress and joy in the faith moving forward. In Philippians chapter 2, verse number 2, Paul has joy when the believers are unified and single-minded. In Philippians chapter 2.17, Paul would be glad in his sacrifice for the sake of their faith so that his ministry was not in vain. Philippians chapter 2.17, Paul would rejoice with the believers in his sacrifices for the sake of their faith so that his ministry was not in vain. In Philippians 2.18, Paul encourages the Philippian believers to also be glad in his life being poured out for them. And then also in Philippians 2.28, Paul is eager to send Epaphroditus back to them so that they can rejoice in seeing him again and be less anxious about his health. In Philippians 2.29, Paul encourages the Philippian church to receive Epaphroditus back with joy since he risked his life for the work of Christ. 
In Philippians chapter 3, 1, Paul has no problem with frequently repeating the reminder to rejoice in the Lord because he knows how important it is. And in Philippians 4, 4, Paul encourages the Philippians to rejoice in the Lord always. And for added emphasis, Paul again says, you need to always rejoice. And Philippians 4, 10, the Philippians' renewed ability to support Paul's ministry caused Paul to rejoice in the Lord greatly. So Paul knew something about moving forward in the Christian life, and it was always through joy. So as we come here to this closing chapter here, it's no secret that Paul knew what it was to have contentment in life. I mean, we're going to read a few uh, verses here about Paul's situation and in his situation as being in prison and some of the things that he encountered in life, he was always content. You know, God never promise, promises us to give us a storybook ending in our own lives. And sometimes I think we get so sidetracked by what the world pictures for us as what, a, what our lives should be like. Now, there's no doubt, Paul says, there's great joy in following the Lord. There's great joy in worshiping Christ. But think where Paul was. He was in prison. It was not a storybook ending of what the world would say it should be. And so I think the Lord doesn't necessarily give us a storybook ending, but sometimes he calls us to suffering. Listen to what Paul says here. He says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in death. So naturally, then the question would arise, then, if I'm going to move forward in my relationship with Christ and I'm experiencing times of difficulty, trouble, hardship in life, how can I have joy and be content in those situations? Well, Paul is going to answer that question here for us in Philippians chapter number 4. Let's read the text here, and then we'll have a word of prayer together. Philippians chapter number 4, beginning in verse number 10. Paul says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have received your concern for me, you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Beginning verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to your word here, um, we need some understanding. We need direction from, from you. 
And Holy Spirit, we need you to teach us all things. Um, We need you to guide us into all truth. We need you to make the application real in our lives um, because we are human and we just uh, sometimes have wrong thoughts, wrong ideas, and we need you to put the spiritual side to it. I ask that you help us in our Christian life. Help us to move forward in our relationship with you. Help us as believers to understand what you're doing in our lives and what you're doing in this world and how we can be a part of that and help us to exercise contentment in our lives. Lord, I pray for those that are just struggling today, those that have situations in their lives, some that maybe didn't even make those situations known, but God, they are struggling. They're struggling spiritually. They might be struggling physically. Lord, I pray that your word will be an encouragement and a help to them this morning. We pray for those that are without Christ, that Lord, you will draw them unto yourself. We thank you. We love you for what you've done for us in our lives. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. So here, our text verse here is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, many of us are very familiar with that verse. I mean, some of us may have seen it crocheted on some kind of a wall plaque somewhere. Or, you know, we've all been to Hobby Lobby and seen that verse on a wall plaque somewhere. And it's a great verse. But I think it needs to be put in its proper context of understanding I can do all things through Christ. I mean... Obviously, you can't say, well, let's see, I can drive off a bridge and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and I'm going to drive off a bridge. No, that's wrong type of context there, okay? What we're talking about here is contentment in whatever situation, whatever the circumstances we are in. So contentment is a very rare Christian grace. Why? Because Creatures of habit that we are, we are not content. I think God's word says that the eye of man is never full. It's always seeking for wanting more. I mean, think about it. Uh, How many of you have an iPhone? Raise your hand. Okay. Anybody have the newest iPhone? Okay. How about an iPhone? What are they on? iPhone 6? They're coming out with 7. Okay. How many have an iPhone 5 still? iPhone 6. Okay, iPhone 4, that's me. Does anybody still have an iPhone 3, 3G, 4S, something? Okay, all right. But the world always puts us in in a place where we always want more. We're always wanting more, and we shouldn't be content. And what do they do? They do stupid stuff like, they're like, oh, this new iPhone is different. We've moved the headphone jack two millimeters over, so you can, yeah, what? You know, and then you're not content with what you have, and so you're always wanting more. So as creatures of habit that we are, we always want more. We want a new car. We want new this. We want new that. Um, so... To be content with what we have is a very rare Christian grace. And Paul says here, I have learned the secret. I have learned it to whatever situation I've been put in. He says, I have learned how to be content. You know, think about Paul's situation here. He was in prison. And we're not talking just for a couple weeks I mean, we're talking for a long time. Paul was in prison writing these letters to these churches, talking to them about the Lord. And Paul says, 
I'm content. I'm content with my situation. Paul was not in prison because he did something wrong. He was in prison because he was following Christ, doing what was right. And he says, I know how to be content. Think about what Paul states as he says here. He says, I learned how to be content in whatever situation he was faced with, whether it be in times of lowliness or in abundance. Paul says, when times were going great in my life, I've learned how to be content in that. When times were difficult and hard and lowly, he says, I've learned how to be content. He says, in every circumstance and any circumstance, I've learned how to be content in plenty of hunger and need and abundance. I think many times, Paul, when he was uh, there, in, uh, he talks about, he says, in my life, I had fastings often. I don't think Paul was trying to be some kind of super spiritual person. I think there were many times in Paul's ministry, he just simply had nothing to eat. Not because he said, well, I'm going to fast today, but because he had nothing to eat. And he says, I've learned how to be content in those type of situations. And you know, we live here in America, and still there are people that go to bed hungry in America. It happens. Uh, as we, Jamie and I, we were uh, youth directors for nine years. There were plenty of times we had uh, teenagers that would come to Sunday school, and we'd always try to provide some type of food for them because we knew that in their home they probably had nothing to eat that morning. They had nothing to eat maybe at nighttime. So, yeah, hunger is a real thing. Paul speaks of it and says, hey, I've learned in hunger, I've learned to be content with that. And so for us to move forward in our relationship with Christ, I think it's important that we learn the secret of contentment as what Paul discovers. He says, I have found the secret of contentment. So what is the secret? Well, the secret is to be satisfied with Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ only. Paul says, I'm not looking at my external circumstances. I'm not looking at what's going on in my life. I'm not looking at what's going on in the world. He says, I've learned how to be content with Jesus Christ and Christ only. Listen to the text first as he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Learning how to be content. Paul makes it very clear that he knew how to be content. Paul's situation was real. They were real hardships. Let's just take some time here. Can somebody give me some real life hardships that they may know of somebody going through or maybe they themselves have gone through in the past or maybe are going through right now? Real life hardships, yes. Our son Jeff was hurt earlier this year at work. He was off work for three months, and just as he was supposed to go back to work, he had his thumb cut through the bone and had to have surgery. And so he was off work for another three months. He went back to work and found out he needed surgery on the shoulder that he had hurt at work. And he had this back this past Thursday. He's going to be off work for another six to eight weeks. They're living in a camper in our yard because money's tight on workmen's comp. And this morning they were all in my front room <laughs> because he needs to sleep in a recliner since he had the surgery on his shoulder. But it's a hardship for 
It's a hardship, absolutely, and that affects the entire family. What else? Real life hardships. Real life hardships. A real life hardship, death, sickness, um, financial trouble. Um, you know, when we had the recession that hit back in uh, 2000, 2000, uh, 2007, 2008, that really hit hard. I'm even sure hit very hard in this area with the whole like uh, mobile home manufacturing and stuff like that. Those are real life hardships. But Paul says we need to learn how to be content in those times of hardship and difficulty. So how do we learn how to be content? Well, we're gonna back up a few verses. We're gonna take a look at another few verses here and learn how to be content in whatever situation that we are placed in. So let's look here now. Number one, stand firm in the Lord. Stand firm in the Lord. Listen to what Paul says in verse number one in chapter four. He says, therefore my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, Stand firm, thus in the Lord, my beloved. This was a reminder to the believers at Philippi that they were to stand firm in the Lord. And it is the Lord that we are to stand firm in. We should never stand firm in our opinions. We should never stand firm in our cleverness, our wisdom, or our works. We are to stand firm in God, to stand firm in the Lord. Remember the verses preceding chapter number four? That's why Paul says, therefore, everything that I just told you before, remember our relationship with the Lord, that we are already citizens in heaven? He says, stand firm in that, knowing that you are Christ, that you are part of his body, that you are part of his family. You need to stand firm in that. We are to know him and rely on his righteousness. Paul says, therefore, because of your relationship with Christ, rest in the Lord. Rest in him. Don't try to control everything. Don't try to control or manipulate the circumstances. He says, just rest in the Lord. Stand firm in him. We are to realize that Christ is the anchor of our soul. And we are to rest in him. You know, as we live in life and go through life, we're going to encounter circumstances, difficulties, trials, tribulations, and we need to rest in the Lord, standing firm in Him. And you know, it's interesting, as we go through life, I mean, some of you probably talk about times in the past, you say, boy, those were the good old days. Remember the good old days? But in reality, when you were living during those times, those weren't really the good old days. <laughs> they were difficult times too, but you remember the high points of life and you say, boy, man, I just love to get back to those good old times, those good old days. But our circumstances change through life. As we go through life, as we navigate life's storms, our circumstances are always changing. But if we are placing our confidence in our circumstances, those things are always changing. But if we put our confidence in the Lord who never changes, we can stand firm in him. 
regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what's going on, regardless as life is beating against us like a wave, we stand firm in the Lord who never changes. So it's a, our, our standing firm in him is based upon the Lord. He's a compass that never changes. It's always pointing true north. It is based upon a true source of life and joy. It is based upon God who never changes, who is always true and is always good. Learn how to be content through life by standing firm in the Lord, regardless of our circumstances. And it will be Christ who will strengthen you to stand firm in him. So stand firm in the Lord. Let's look at a second thing. Paul says, I've discovered this secret about, stand, about being content in life. Secondly, rejoice with prayer and thanksgiving. Verses 4 through 6, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. You know, as we learn how to be content and discover the secret to contentment, God's word tells us to rejoice in the Lord. Now, it's interesting. He doesn't just say rejoice in the Lord, but he repeats it again. And he says, and again, I will say rejoice. Why does Paul have to repeat that again a second time? Well, notice the text that Paul says we are to rejoice in what? What are we to be rejoicing in? The Lord. Think about that. Your circumstances in life, they're changing, they're, they're hard, they're difficult, and we are to be rejoicing. Rejoicing that I lost my job, rejoicing that I can't provide, rejoicing that, no, we are to be rejoicing in the Lord. Rejoicing in the Lord. Now think about this. The command is a command to rejoice. To rejoice in the provision for our life. To rejoice in his love. His love endures. It never fails. To rejoice in his grace. His grace is sufficient for us. To rejoice in his sacrifice that he sent his son Jesus to die for us. To rejoice in his mercy. To rejoice in his forgiveness. And we can go on and on and on and on and on about things that we are to be rejoicing in regardless of the circumstances that we are placed in. Always we are to rejoice in the Lord. And Paul repeats this again the second time. Why? Because our rejoicing in Christ needs to be continuous. There should never be an end to our rejoicing in the Lord. Lord, thank you for this. Lord, I rejoice in what you've done in my life. Lord, thank you for bringing these things. Lord, thank you for this. Lord, thank you for that. Rejoicing in the Lord. So no matter what our circumstances, we find our contentment in Christ because of our joy that we have in him. We don't have joy in our circumstances because those are difficult and those are hard. But we look past our circumstances and we look towards Christ and we rejoice in Christ and not necessarily in the circumstances. Notice the text again. Look what he says. 
Do not be anxious for anything. How many of you are worry warts? Okay. My wife, what she does is she bites her fingernails. She gets worries about biting the fingernails. Okay. Paul says, don't, don't be anxious. Don't, don't start wringing your hands and, and worrying about the situations. Look past those. Rejoice in the Lord. Do not be anxious for anything. But notice this. But in prayer, instead of worrying, what we should be doing is praying. And it's, I love this because he says, not just in prayer, but he says supplication. What is that? Earnestly begging. Going to the Lord, and he says, let your requests be made known unto God. I love this, okay? Here we are in our circumstances of life, okay? Difficulties and hardships of life. Paul says, don't worry about them. You're rejoicing in the Lord, and you're standing firm in the Lord, but you go to the Lord in prayer with earnest begging, letting him know of the request that you have in your life. God, I need to provide for my family. God, I got some things going on in my life that is difficult to navigate through. And you're rejoicing in the Lord. You're not letting your, your circumstances control this, your, your life. But you're going to the Lord. And I think what happens many times is we as believers say, God does not care because my circumstance has not changed. Please try to understand this. I don't think that God is not up there going, yeah, I don't care. He does care because he's a heavenly father. He's a good father. He cares about our needs. I mean, the Bible tells us that he cares more about us than that, that sparrow that falls in the wilderness. He's got all of your hairs on your head numbered. Some of us have fewer. Some of us have more. But he knows. And he cares about our needs. So as we go to him in prayer, earnestly begging in our circumstances, we might think, well, God said no. I don't think it's the fact that God said no. I think it's the fact that God says grow, move forward. Think about Paul. He's in prison. Do you not think that there were times that Paul prayed and said, Lord, please get me out of here. I got things I have to do. My circumstances, God, I need to get out. And God says, no, Paul, I'm using this in your life to grow you, to grow you so that you'll move forward in your relationship with me. As what Paul says, I count all things but loss that I might know him. Everything that's come into my life, Paul says, I'm using that. All the circumstances in my life, I'm using that so that I might know Christ in a greater way. So our circumstances in life, by prayer and supplication, in everything, by prayer and supplication. You know, I think it's important for us to move forward in our Christian life because God is doing something in our hearts and our lives. And if we put our eyes on our circumstances rather than on Christ, 
we miss out on what God is doing in our heart. We miss out on what God is going to do in our life. So it's important to understand with rejoice, with prayer, and thanksgiving. Grow through your circumstances. Learn more about Christ through your circumstances. Move forward in your relationship with Jesus by being content in him. Don't be controlled by those circumstances. Paul says, I've discovered the secret of how to be content. It's through prayer, through rejoicing, with thanksgiving towards the Lord. Look at the third thing here that Paul talks about. Ponder and practice contentment. Look what he says in verses 8 through 9. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true... Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, Paul gives us this list here. Now, I'm going to go through the list, and you tell me if these things are good or bad. Ready? Here we go. True. Good. Uh, honorable, good, uh, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. Okay, now follow, follow this. Anything that is good, we are to ponder these things, meditate upon them, think upon them. Where does everything that is good come from? God. So if I'm to ponder these things, to be content, what should I be meditating on? God. Meditating on Jesus Christ. I think meditation is something that is something that we don't do often as believers in Christ. Um, we don't spend time enough just thinking about Jesus. We don't spend time thinking about God. We don't allow his word to soak into our lives and allow his word to, to have an effect upon our minds. We need to meditate on him, think about him, think about him often. Because it's that pondering that allows us to be content in the situations that we are. Now look at the list again. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure... As we meditate on Christ, okay, we put all of that into perspective. For example, okay, we meditate on Christ who is truth. Uh, John uh, chapter 1 tells us that uh, he came into the world, the world knew him not, full of grace and truth. So we are to meditate on Christ who is truth. We are to meditate on Christ who is honorable. We are to meditate on Christ who is just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent and worthy of our praise. And as we meditate on Christ, it teaches us how to be content in the situation that we are placed in. It allows us to practice contentment in our life. Now let's bring this back into focus of our text verse. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So if we put that verse in its context, Paul says, I've learned the secret of contentment. How can we stand firm in the Lord? Through him who strengthens me to do so. How can I learn how to pray 
with, with supplication and rejoice in the Lord with thanksgiving. I can do all things through him who strengthens me to do so. How can I ponder and practice contentment in my life regardless of my circumstances and remain in an attitude of joy through him who strengthens me? So how do we grow through our circumstances with thanksgiving? Through the strength of Christ. How do we ponder and practice contentment? Through the strength of Christ. So here's the question that we all must ask ourselves, myself included. Do our circumstances control our contentment? Or does our contentment in Christ control our circumstances? We all need to find strength in the Lord. Paul says, I've learned the secret to do so. Regardless of my circumstances, I'm going to trust in him who gives me the strength to be content. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that we've had to look into your word. And God, I desire to be content in you. Lord, many times I know that I'm not content because I live a life that is always seeking for more. I live a life that is always desiring more. Um, I live a life that tries to gain more. And Lord, you've just called me to be content with you. God, there are some real hardships in life that we face. Sometimes they are difficult, but sometimes, Lord, it is an abundance that we have in life. Help us to be content. Help us to find our strength in you to stand firm. Help us to have the strength that we need from you to be able to pray and not be anxious about things going on in our life. God, you are at the helm of every situation in our lives. Help us to rest in you. We're so thankful for your love for us. Help us to be content. Help us to meditate on you. We thank you. We love you. We ask this in your name. Amen.